What's going on, guys? And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy. And I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love. And let's just jump into it. Well, as I always say, I'm very happy to always have guests on. You guys probably get sick and tired of just hearing me talk about uh, things about my, uh, around myself. So I am very happy to have the two sisters from the Two Sisters Foundation, both Ali and Lisa. Um, I'm terrible at doing introductions and I think people introduce themselves better and I always like having a general conversation and if I was kind of introducing friends I wouldn't go hey here's my friend Matt come on in like so Ali um, I'll let you kind of uh, let everyone know I guess who you are and what we're kind of doing here today and then I'll let Lisa uh, follow that in. Great Um, thanks Adam hi Um, and hi Lisa. We are the Two Sisters we've started the Two Sisters Foundation Uh, this all started when I was diagnosed with breast cancer four years ago, um, I later discovered that I had the BRCA1 gene mutation, um, which I suppose was responsible for me getting unwell at the age of 37. Um, and then Lisa, best friend, sister, has also tested positive for BRCA. So we both went in for preventative um, surgeries together, mastectomies and hysterectomies. And we have since found other family members, very close friends um, that have also been sparked to get tested and tested positive and have also done preventative surgeries. Um, And, yeah, apart from educating and trying to um, get prevention strategies in in order for everyone else. We are also raising uh, funding for the team at the WeHi who are researching some preventative drugs for BRCA1 carriers. Amazing. Um, And Lise, just kind of give us a little bit of background of uh, who you are and I guess the the follow-up to, I guess, what Ali has said there. Um, Hi, Adam. Thank you for having us. Um, I am in health sciences by trade, so always been living a... um, healthy lifestyle and and I guess I you know got on the um got on board you know when Ellie was going through chemo and we were trying to figure out where um and how you know this cancer originally started and so I was that um full-time you know 24-7 sister that just kind of moves in with you and never leaves your side um to you know just being there and you know going through chemo and totally being on her journey and then you know it got to the point where we realized that she was BRCA positive and and then the family all really um got on board and had to get tested and basically all of us tested positive so that ranged from our male cousins um to both our fathers where the gene came from um, up to aunties in their 60s L I think then that realized that they had been kept safe up until this point but now they were kind of in the firing line to make these decisions to what you do at that age as well. Um, and I suppose the thing that we're really focused on now is fixing this before the next generation has to deal with anything we've had to go through when they sort of hit their 20s, 30s. Um, ideally they won't have to do any preventative surgery I've got a daughter um, there's another one two three little girls that will also have to deal with testing and hopefully nothing further than that when they reach their 20s 
And can we just talk, I guess, more about what that is? I mean, the BRCA gene, um, you know, how common is it amongst uh, women? Is it very genetic based in that if your mother had it, you're more likely, you know, those kind of um, questions that I guess people are going to start wondering, like, what is it and kind of what what's this test you talk about and kind of, yeah, go down those kind of um, questions. Okay, so originally um, BRCA, I think, started off, um, it's, it's predominantly in Ashkenazi Jewish population, but that by no means means that you have to be of that descent to have this gene. It's a default um, in your breast cancer and ovarian cancer genes that protect you against those certain cancers. It can be given to you by a mother who's positive or a father, and it's a complete 50-50 chance of having it whether it comes from your mother or father. Um, it is a 70% chance you will get breast cancer in your lifetime if you have this gene um, and a 40% chance that you will get ovarian cancer in your lifetime. If you are of Ashkenazi Jewish descent, you have a one in four chance of carrying this gene default. So a quarter of Ashkenazi Jews have BRCA. Yeah, well. And Adam, and and to be clear, we're Catholic Jews, so we're not even <laughs> full, fully Jewish, um, which means, you know, all jokes aside that, you know, when it can be quite trendy to get your linear heritage genetics done, you know, it's actually really important to know what is in that gene pool, even if you're going, oh, I'm not Jewish, that doesn't apply to me. Maybe there are some Jewish genes in there. Yeah, yeah right. It's and- not a predominantly Jewish Gene, it's just that's that's quite a predominant thing in the Jewish culture. So, yeah. and when you say that, um, sorry, the numbers were seven in ten, like likely to get breast cancer if you've got this gene, and was it four in ten for ovarian? What's the kind of rate? I mean, I know breast cancer is quite a high rate anyway. Like, what's the kind of rate for just an ordinary, like say, ordinary female, a female who doesn't have um, that particular gene that's uh, on? I think breast cancer in general is one in eight. It's okay. quite a high um, percentage. And, and the reason we really um, love this team at Walter Eliza is, yes, they are um, trying to discover preventative drugs for BRCA carriers, but in the process, they're understanding breast tissue in itself and how that develops in young girls. And, and when they get the understanding of how breast tissue develops, then they can understand where, where things go wrong when a breast cancer does develop. So they're... they're understanding breast cancer as a whole and ovarian cancer as well so it's just such a worthwhile cause and they're making some really great headway with their research and you know um does it affect men as well i mean i know breast cancer can and it's obviously very rare but it can occur still in men if the male is carrying this particular gene is it is it make it more likely to get breast cancer as well does and men can get breast cancer and it is a much lower risk factor but um, it definitely does increase their risk of breast cancer and also um, slightly increases their risk in risk in pancreatic cancer. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And did this, I guess, testing and I guess going down and finding out, did you even know about BRCA before your own diagnosis yourself and then going through that? Like where did, it, where did this interest in this or kind of where did this knowledge in this um, particular gene come from? Well, it's sort of quite interesting because um, our mother died of um, a rare form of cancer, um, which is called pseudomyxoma, and it's um, sort of a, a cancer of the abdominal wall, I suppose. And after she passed away, um, how long ago, Lise? 
Oh, um, she died 17 years ago. Okay, so 17 years ago, so this happened four years ago. So 13 years before any of this unfolded, we went into the hospital after she passed away and said we'd like to get genetic testing to see if if anything that's happened to our mother can be passed down. And they said, you don't have enough of the risk factors. Your mother's cancer was so rare, you don't qualify for, a, for genetic testing. So if they'd let us get a test back then, we would have found out about this BRCA, which wasn't from our mum, it was from our father actually, but it would have come out in that gene. So I suppose we would have known before. And as we keep pushing with our foundation is knowledge is power. So what we want to get out there is, you know, for people to go and get tested, because if you know beforehand, you can prevent cancer from ever occurring, even though the strategies are, are quite invasive and brutal, um, which at the moment is double mastectomy and a full hysterectomy, but at least you can be across it before cancer arises. Hopefully. And I also think, too, um, another important thing to remember is, you know, especially for all those people in their early 20s thinking, oh, well, maybe I should get tested, is also um, when you're talking about knowledge is power, you then get to shut if you carry some sort of genetic default um, down because it means you can have your kids through IVF um, where they're going to screen, you know, your eggs and, and do that selection where they can do the whole profile and the genetics that you don't pass it on. And, and that's exactly what's happened so far on our journey is women have said, oh, maybe I should get tested. And the same thing, the whole family got tested positive, um, which meant a lot of the women already had to do the preventative surgeries. And then the younger generation now have had successful families through IVF and knowing that they're safe and not you know, carrying, uh, passing on that gene. Um, I, I hope I'm not kind of stepping over the line with a really personal question um, from it because I, before coming into today, I was talking to my own wife and kind of obviously I have a lot of females in my, my life now and obviously these kinds of issues are going to probably be things that are going to come up uh, at some point into the future because of the rates of cancer they are anyway. And I was talking about this particular particular gene and the fact that both of you guys went through preventative measures and Amy very quickly said, I would never do that. What do you mean prevent it? I wouldn't want to go through that, you know, some horrible surgery and did it. And I wouldn't say we had a heated um, debate of it, but it was quite a, I, I took it quite, what's the word I'm trying to look for? I, I was quite taken back by her very immediate shutdown of not wanting to do that kind of preventative kind of um, surgery. And I just like to kind of ask the question of you guys, like, as soon as you found this out, was it, wasn't even a thought like let's just go and do this or was it a I mean it's as you said it's a pretty brutal set of um, surgeries to prevent this was that something that was even a hesitation in your thought I just like to get someone else's point of view and obviously I'd seen what Amy's point of view was I just yeah I'd love to hear I guess that from your point of view of where your your heads were at and now having gone through it would you do it all over again or like you'd second guess it maybe the second time if you had to do it again well, I suppose the answer would probably be Lisa and I came from different positions because I didn't know about the BRCA gene when I got cancer. So um, the first I knew anything that had gone wrong was being diagnosed with breast cancer and like a very aggressive breast cancer. And just by chance, I caught it really early and it won't come back now. I, it's gone. I went through the chemo and everything, but having cancer is really dark I had two young kids. 
And the only thing you can think of when you don't think you're going to make it is that you're not going to see your kids grow up. And that is such a dark spot to be. Um, and all of a sudden you kind of feel cut off from the world. So to I had babies. I had two babies. That's what I wanted. I breastfed them. You know, it was a beautiful, perfect upbringing for the kids or whatever. My boobs had served their purpose. My uterus had served its purpose. For me to do whatever I had to do to see these kids grow up, it was not a problem at all. The surgery was absolutely fine. I'm on artificial hormones, which don't bother me at all. I've had breast implants, which look completely normal in bathers. I'm up in Noosa in bathers every day and I get to live. Like I would not think twice about doing the same thing over and over again. It was such an easy decision for me. Lise had a different story because she didn't come from cancer. So she went from perfectly healthy to having to, you go, Lise. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I've always been extremely um, tiny in the chest department. And as my husband says, he never married me for my boobs, um, <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, so I... I remember when I got my results and, you know, I'd been sitting with Ellie in the chemo room for four months already. So I was already in that dark place from, you know, a helpless, you can't, you can only support, you know, and this person is just going through total hell and you don't wish that environment on anybody. Um, so when I got my diagnosis, it was, an absolute no-brainer. It was just like this total urgency of um, just book me in straight away. You know, you get the results sitting with a genetic counsellor and I was just like straight away, just book me in to have the hysterectomy like as soon as you can get me in um, because I'd had the time to think about it. I'm the same with Ellie. I, I breastfed two boys. Um, I... I I'd, I'd use my uterus. Um, I, it was just no decision. I just, I booked in and it, it was probably a terrible experience. Um, I got total bowel and pelvic infection and was sick for months after, after the hysterectomy. But I think the biggest lesson you really learn from going through something like this experience is time. You know, we're always in such a rush for everything and I was in such a rush to do the surgery and rush to get it out or, and, and, and it just slows down and you, you go, you flow through, you know, this, it, it will end and, and the pain or the recovery or the, or the surgery. And, and what that then turned into was a gift that I never expected. And that was having more hormones now being on the HRT than I'd probably had in my body since my early 20s so it, it turned into this horrible experience to oh my god on the flip side internally I've gone from like a shriveled sultana in her 40s <laughs> to like this plump ripe organic um great that's just literally internally come alive again and so for me I, I always try and take what's the gift out of this situation whether it's good or bad and for me it's now living this really amazing life with full of hormones and an energy and 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 that's been a gift um then eight weeks later Ellie and I decide well if we're going to do the double mastectomy let's do it together 
so we can share a hotel room a hotel room i wish <laughs> <laughs> we can share a you know a hospital room and and go through this experience together so as ellie said it was fine for her she looks amazing in a bikini and surfs every day on the beach uh, i Look, the surgery went well. I'm, again, <laughs> tiny in this area. I had to go to expanders. I couldn't go straight to an implant. Um, so basically, to cut a really long story short, it ended up being eight surgeries with a failed implant. The incision line just kept tearing and I kept getting infections. I don't have a lot of fat in that area, so there was nothing really to bind, bind it together. So... I'm left with one implant in and one out um, and I just put a fillet in that bra and bikini top now because, again, you know, when you say, going back to that question, Adam, you know, was it a hard decision? Well, no, none of it is hard when you choose life. Um, and if that means putting a fillet in every day and not going through more surgeries with, again, a possible failure of just, that visual looking that I'm I've got two implants in for me it doesn't matter you know it's still I choose life I choose my kids I choose showing up three times a week to train with you Adam and and doing all those things that I love so you kind of get this whole newfound beauty maybe for everything I don't know what the word no, I like that you say I mean, Lisa's got um her kids are older than mine and and she's got two boys. And I think it's such a good lesson for the boys, especially to learn that, you know, Lisa's not like great because she's got boobs. Like she's great because she's great and she's beautiful and gorgeous. And, and you know, the boys shouldn't just think that because someone, something, when they start going out with them, they're going to be like that in 20 years time. There's so much more behind people than aesthetics and, and it's just learning to live with what you've got and being as healthy as you possibly can with the tools that you've got. Yeah, it's, it's true because I remember Max, our eldest at the time, and, you know, he was away living overseas on a sports scholarship at 15 and he wasn't there for a lot of the surgeries and I came when he came home, he was unpacking and I lifted up my top and said, oh, this is what I look like now and... I, you know, I said, oh, I'm missing a, missing an implant. I'm missing a boob. And he said, no, mum, you're not missing one. You've gained one. <laughs> and I thought, what an extraordinary young man. Like if that's the only gift that came out of this, that, you know, we've taught a, a new generation of men that now you haven't lost something, you've gained it, you know, that, you're not going to marry or be with someone because they've got beautiful legs or boobs. There's got to be more there and depth. And I don't know, I think that is a part of this colourful journey that you go on too, is that, you know, at any age. So much more than. Yeah, it's, 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 there's so much more there and depth. And, and I find that very empowering that I can wear a tight top or, my you know feel it slips in my bikinis and I get a suntan burn that's not quite even <laughs> but I I can laugh about all of that and that that's my tapestry you know and I think when you can own that that's sexy that's 
that sassy and sexy and just owning all of it and being unapologetic for whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more. And I mean, I guess from the perspective that both of you just, you know, both shared yourself in that, you know, your bodies had in quote served their purpose in that, you know, you'd both breastfed, you'd both had kids and it was an easier decision because you'd both obviously had um, Ali, you were going through and you experienced that with her as well. Lisa, the cancer itself to a 20 year old who might be getting the, um, the test and they get tested. And I, I want to talk about that testing and what it all entails. And people can kind of obviously then decide whether they want to go forward and you know hear this podcast today and go and do it themselves to get themselves tested. But, you know, if a 20 year old does that and goes, well, I'm 20, I don't have kids and I've just been tested positive. What's something you might share with maybe you, you, you've experienced um, seeing a 20 year old get that test and, you know, what conversations you've had to have with them and what they've asked and, you know, what kind of questions might come up in their minds and what might they then do? Do they say, look, I, I might have five or 10 years, maybe I, you know, get some eggs and freeze them or do I, you know, look at having kids and then do it? Like what, what's the kind of, yeah, I guess, recommendations or things that you might be able to say to that 20 year old that gets tested positive. Lise, do you want to? Um, I think, I think the first thing is when someone's thinking of getting the test is make sure you're ready, you know, to get that test and, 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 and take your time and, and make sure you're ready because when you go for those results, you, you, you don't think it's going to be you. Like I really didn't think it was going to be me. Um, so I think you have to be ready for that. And, and that's the whole purpose again of our platform with the, the website and the film that we've done is is really empowering women to have that knowledge for what the options are. So I think the first thing is just really getting ready for that, you know, diagnosis. Um, I think too, then then there's lots of decisions. It's freezing eggs. It's do you have a partner or not? Because you don't want to just rush into having kids with, you know, Sam down the road just because you feel like you're a ticking time bomb. Um, there's so many different ways you can do that now when you know that there is no box you know you don't have to do something conventionally whether that means a surrogate or freezing eggs or um you know doing it through IVF or you know getting tested two three times a year um because lifestyle and all that sort of thing really can play into this yes it's a genetic thing but we we also know apart from a BRCA diagnosis a lot of cancers are related to lifestyle as well so it's giving people you know that confidence that how they live and, and they're all choices we can make every day can impact all of that decision making as well I also think at the age of 20 if you get a test it's um, really disheartening because it's not what you want to think about that at that age and in a way I'm sort of glad that um what happened to me happened on my timeline because I didn't have to spend my 20s thinking about what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, if that's the case, you know, knowledge is power and at least you know, but it's definitely not a rush to do anything at that age, you know. Like you don't start having to worry about cancer or prevention until much later in your 20s for breast cancer and then they don't recommend really getting your ovaries out until sort of the age of 40 so um, it's not a rush and you've got plenty of time and you know the other thing is there's so much um, 
medical research and advancement going on right now, you know, there is hope that people aren't going to have to do this in a few years. The, the scientists we're backing it are looking very closely at a drug that prevents breast cancer from ever occurring in BRCA1 carriers. So, you know, there's definitely hope for this next generation. What we've had to go through doesn't necessarily mean the next generation will have to go through the same thing. And I'd love to talk more about that. And I guess where two sisters then came from. So, I mean, I've heard Lisa talk about the winter ball for years um, during our training sessions. And I've seen um, obviously the, the photos that have been put up over the years. And so I guess, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it kind of did it spawn from, I guess that winter ball where you were raising money and doing things for it there. And then, Hey, do we just start it? Like, was it just a conversation over a, a gin and tonic one night and you go, Hey, do you want to start a foundation and let's do more rather than just the ball? Like where did that kind of all start and where did two sisters actually kind of then be born? Um, the winter ball was originally, um, yes, to raise money for the team at Weehigh. Um, and we both have lived up at Mount Buller during winters um, for years and there's a really close community up there and we just sort of saw an opening for an event up there. It's a um, high-end community that loves sport and healthy lifestyles but love to party and there was just no end, no high-end parties up there. So we had an amazing black tie event up there. It went so well. We raised over a million dollars in that first year from the party and from private family foundations and it just went really well. People really loved it. Um, and then last year we couldn't do it, obviously, because of COVID. Everyone's got stories like that. Um, and then I suppose we've got tons of other ideas we wanted to do and we thought we can't do it all under the winter ball umbrella. Like we should just start a foundation so we can use that as an umbrella to do, you know, Lise wants to write a cookbook. We want to have more parties in different spots. We, we want to um, create beauty products or sports bras. We've got just so many ideas we want to do. So we basically just needed an umbrella to run all of our ideas under. Um, and I think we kept trying to come up with so many different names for this foundation and we just thought our, as it says on our website, our superpower is our sisterhood and that's just not us. It is sisterhood in general. We are all banding together, all the women, to, to try and work this out together, I suppose, and be there to support each other. Hmm. And. I mean, you can't just, I guess, turn on a box and go, we now are a foundation. Like how, how, how did that kind of, I guess, eventuate? And was it, was it a hell even more difficult than you thought that it might be? And is it continuing to be? Or is the fact that this is something that obviously clearly both of you are very passionate about and something that, you know, really means a lot to you. Is it something that I don't care how difficult this is? I, I, I you know, this is what I want to do this. I've now found my true calling or passion that you see so many people sometimes do start these foundations and it just becomes so much bigger and more than they ever thought, but it's something that, you know, truly makes a difference. And the one that I guess I kind of relate to, to some degree is the McGrath foundation in that, you know, he just started that purely because his wife passed away and then you know, away it went. And then it's just become this huge, you know, juggernaut that he's just doing such amazing um, work within the, the breast cancer space. Is that something, is that, you know, as big as that, is that where you head towards? Like, where's your vision? I know it was about four different questions in there, but kind of 
yeah, does that kind of sum up where your 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 both of your heads are at with this foundation itself? Uh, it's definitely um, it's a lot more work than I think you realise. I'm one of those people that I just throw all my ducks in and then figure out how to do it all when they're in and sinking and floating and running away. Um, Ellie's totally the creative one um, and and has that long term clear vision and um, and has been incredible driving the actual logistics of setting up the foundation. Um, I think, you know, and Ellie's already mentioned it, that, you know, the drive is her daughter and it's, it's the same for me. It's my niece. It's that next generation of women that drives us, I think, to just do as much as possible and, and share our story and be really vulnerable and open to everything, um, to get, get it out there and just do something for the greater good. And, and if that means going as big as possible, then I don't know, bring it on. Yeah. I think we're definitely dreaming about it becoming much bigger, but um, we're also letting it happen organically and not mm. not rushing into anything that doesn't feel natural. And I don't think we've done anything yet that we're not passionate about just for the sake of it. So, um, yeah, look, it'll unfold as we go and COVID hasn't helped with it because events are definitely my passion and, I think Lisa's as well. She's a logistical genius, so she sort of <laughs> really gets things done. So we are so ready and raring to go for another event. We just um, need to get the all clear, I suppose, and I, I think we'll host another one up at Mount Bull the next season and we'd love to do a summer one um, here in Noosa where I've moved now as well. Yeah. And I was going to say, those, those events themselves, like, what can you kind of just give a bit a bit of background? I guess I mean you know, I've named the winter ball, and obviously if there's going to be a summer ball or things like that, like are they just let's get together and have a big piss up and let's just kind of raise money, or like is there a kind of theme around that? Like how do they kind of tend to run out, and what's the kind of idea behind them um, themselves? Well, I think I think the thing with Mount Buller was that we we both feel very at home up there, and we just we knew we had an audience we've sort of captured already. It's it's um. It's a real family up there in winter um, and we sort of thought we'd aim more at a high-end, like exclusive market. So it was kind of 350 people up there. It was black tie, which is really special to do in the snow. And, and the year we did it, um, 2019, was like a super high snow year. It was amazing. It was people were traipsing in high heels across the mountain to get to this party. It was puking with snow. We had these amazing, like, theatrical performers in like big fluffy suits that were all running around while the snow was falling on them and yes it was a piss up there were drunk people rolling around in the snow and we had an amazing dj and a saxophone player and it, it, it was a big party we we um premiered our film at the event so that was a really special moment because it was it was really high when everyone got there and then you know, it did become so quiet. You could hear a pin drop when everyone was watching this film and our friend Sophie Hexter shot it and it really is a beautiful film. It's worth watching on the website. Um, and I think that really touched people and I think what came out of it, you could see after the film was that celebration of life, which is what we've kind of been talking about the whole time and Lisa and I have sort of been steering away from the whole, like, pink breast cancer thing we and we don't want to be depressing at all we just we want it to be about a celebration of life and um 
and yeah, that really sort of eventuated from the party. And I think that's what the parties are sort of about, just getting together and appreciating life and, you know, I think joining forces, I suppose. Um, and that event raised money from tickets, ticket sales, and then also donations on the night. Um, and how we run that in the future, we're not sure. We're still sort of toying around with some ideas. Yeah, and I think the next thing too is, you know, we, we, there's lots of talk about doing collaborations with with different businesses and, you know, other women in business and what they're doing. And, um, you know, my it's latest, recently I've sort of been talking to beauticians, for example, and, and they're saying, oh, yeah, I we do that, you know, a certain percentage of each treatment we do then goes to a charity every month. So it's doing things like that or collaborating with someone to make a beautiful bikini or sports bra that accommodates every woman you know where you can put a, a fillet in that pocket um to feel good um or to do a cookbook you know with a female chef for you know it, it, it's it's sharing and collaborating and, and bringing women together and so we can really spread that knowledge and of options and um, I think I really want to um, promote um, healthy lifestyle as well. I mean, Adam, you know Lisa and you know how healthy she is. Um, I'm not quite at that level. I still yes. say it's an unhealthy obsession with broccoli. I still stand by my <laughs> I stand to her, her obsession with broccoli, I think, is an unhealthy one. But... I've found a new recipe. You'll both enjoy this one. It's an eggplant chocolate brownie. Oh, my God, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> sugar for so long she doesn't even know what sweet tastes like anymore yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I think you know on top of on top of cancer and cancer prevention or whatever I think we really want to share our lifestyle with people which is like health action family adventure you know all the training and surfing and just just healthy living it's just kind of the way now I think and I guess to kind of full circle it back to the um, people that you're working with and I guess raising money with um for the um what, say their name again sorry the found um oh, the way so it's the Walter Eliza Institute it's the we high um so I guess their research and what they're kind of trying to find what I, mean, I, pre I presume they're trying to do multiple different things and finding different ways is it all around the BRCA gene though or are they looking at breast cancer just in general without the brat like what, what's their kind of research looking into their their breast cancer their ovarian cancer um and BRCA as well um so yes it's broad but WeHi is one of the most famous institutes in the world and they have just um oh they've done a lot of research in all different areas I mean they're doing stuff on COVID at the moment and they're doing you know all different types of cancers and they they really do a lot in there it's um it's worth investigating but we're we're working with this one particular team that is solely focused on breast and ovarian cancer and they're in melbourne adam too oh, okay good yeah. and local which is always good yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, the video itself, I, I want to kind of just highlight that real quickly and that I always say um, all of the show notes will have all the details for your website and direct links to especially the page where that, um, that particular video is. But I'm 
always saying that I have one of the world's most short attention spans it is. If you don't capture me in 15 seconds, I'm done. I'm moving on. Um, and that video, over 10 minutes? Like, how, how long did it go for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was captured by it. And I just wanted to say to both of you, you've done an incredible job by that. And I, I know uh, Sophie, you said, was the oh, director. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, she's done an incredible job of it as well. But the the people you got onto it, the way you spoke and how it came across, I mean, I... I didn't move or take a breath for that entire time. And so, um, I, yeah, I just wanted to come across and say that it was an incredible film. And, and obviously wanted to have a chat to you guys anyway for a while. I've spoken, been speaking to Lisa for a while. And I know you guys have wanted to get the website set up and things before we do this. And now that it is, there's somewhere for people to go to. Um, but I really wanted to get you guys on as soon as I saw that video. Like it, it certainly was something that was quite special. And so a credit to both of you for, um, you know, making that happen. And um, as I said, in the, in the links below, um, I, if no one does anything from this podcast, please go and watch that video at least because I think it's um, a really special video. Oh, thank you, Adam. Yeah, just to let you viewers know what the video is about is um, it's women sharing their stories and their journeys of, you know, cancer, breast cancer, ovarian, and and it's it's a. I wish I had had something like that when I got my diagnosis. Somewhere to go, somewhere to hear other people's stories and situations, and worst case scenarios, best case scenarios, and go. Mm. You know, because you always think it's that's not me, it's not me, you know, and well, guess what? Sometimes it is. So, you know, you that's where we wanted something for, and somewhere for people to go and go, okay, this is this is where I'm at or my sister or my mother or my daughter. And it's amazing. It's amazing what it um, brings up. And, Adam, as you said, you know, like, even if it helps one person, you know, you just, you don't know who that is. I spent winter in New Zealand with my family and um, with my husband and two kids. And I was speaking to our dad on the phone who we're so close with. And he was saying, oh, I've got a couple of cousins in New Zealand and and uh, you should just get in touch with them. And so I sent them an email and two men in their 70s, so random, and sent them both an email and one of them was passing through Wanaka where I was and wanted to catch up for coffee and we just got along like a house on fire. We, we sat there and chatted for two hours. We just had the best time. Anyway, it came up that his mother died of cancer and his grandmother. So his mother was my dad's father's, our dad's father's sister. Anyway, it turns out they, they're sort of in the firing line of Raqqa and they've these two brothers have now got two daughters in their 30s that are looking at having children. So they're all off to get tested for Raqqa. So from this random meeting in New Zealand, you know, all of a sudden potentially they go and watch our film and, and have to work out what to do with this information and, and go and get tested and see what becomes of it. So it's helped so many people already and we just sort of, feel so good about that the website will it be a place for information and sharing or is it a place to organize events is it a place for both like what would people i mean what they see now but i presume the website will develop as time goes on what will people kind of i guess get from the website if going to visit it now and kind of moving into the future well at the moment i suppose information on us the teams we're supporting um 
and the film, obviously, information on BRCA, et cetera, um, there's a little button to subscribe so you can sort of sign up. And then we want to create a community that eventually, um, you know, can share their stories and, and everyone to start communicating and, and creating this sisterhood that we sort of dream of having with a broader community. So I suppose this is, this is the start of our broad sisterhood community. Yeah. I also think it'll also be a place, Adam, that people can go to get information. So, for example, I was talking um, with some doctors this week and they were saying that these, these new tests that can come out, that have come out, um, and, and then what happens is, you know, with new chemos, for example, they do a genetic profile on you and they match the right recipe for your genes and so they can make sure that it's going to work and shut down, you know, that genetic cancer, but specifically for your body and your constitution. So I, I can see links on the website up and coming with that kind of information as well. So that possible lateral thinking of what else, what else, what else can we do? Where else can we go? And on the, yeah, which we'll keep uploading. Yeah. Can you just, um, I don't know if uh, it's been uh, asked today, but, can you just give me a quick uh, rundown of the actual test itself? Like if there's someone listening here now, like do they just go to their GP? Do they have to go to someone, a specialty doctor? Like, And what do they ask for in particular if people are in that age bracket that we've been talking about and they're thinking, you know, mum died of cancer and my auntie, you know, where do they go and what do they ask? I think your GP is the first place to go. But as I was saying earlier, we didn't qualify for a test 13 years ago. So there's kind of five um, criteria points that you they look at, um, which is genetic profiling and family history and your age and um, and yeah, history of cancer. And I, I don't know exactly what they are, but there's there's something like five. So if you qualify for, I don't know, maybe like three of those, they'll send you in for testing or something. But for instance, my our dad's cousin in New Zealand, he asked me to send over a positive test result for him to show his GP for him to book in so he could prove the family history there. So it's a they, blood test. It's a blood test, yeah. They do they do want to know what your history is. And I I don't think it's worth everyone going to get tested for BRCA with no with no uh risk factors. Sure. Yep. If there's risk factors there, definitely go. And the other thing actually I want to um talk about is where my cancer was. It was the tiniest lump right very high on my chest. It was nowhere near my boob. Um, and I'm just a bit of a test freak because of what happened to our mum. So um, it was literally like the end of a ballpoint pen, like up under my collarbone pretty much. Um, so I sort of can't stress enough that if you do feel that something's wrong, just go and get tested because you just never know. It's not even if you, it's something wrong, it's, it's a gut feeling. And I think that's a responsibility within any person. Once you feel that in your gut, it's a gut feeling for a reason, go do something about it. The yeah. fact that we, we have about. That's nowhere near my boob, just forget about it. And honestly, in three months, I wouldn't have survived. So it's just such luck that I went to go and get it checked out. And if we have the availability to these tests now, as you said, like why wouldn't you and why wouldn't you kind of, yeah, be able to tick a box to kind of get peace of mind at least um, from that. So absolutely. I, I also think too, you know, 
I, I know a lot of the time, you know, people financially worry about these sort of situations. Um, I also know that it's it's cheaper to do preventative wellness medicine even if you go get that test and it's super expensive and it comes back negative that's a good thing um it's going to be way more expensive in the long term to leave your health um in a bad way and to brush it under the carpet or think it's not going to be me or it's going to cost too much it it's going to cost more in the long run for everyone and on an emotional level on a you know financial spiritual physical level so just go and do it because you've got nothing without your health. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't mm. agree more. Um, kind of, I guess, wrapping it up, what's, I guess, what's the next six to 12 months then, I guess, for, for you guys, for the foundation, what's, what's in the mind? I know you obviously threw out, you know, you know, cookbooks and more events and maybe clothing and different things like that. But what's, I guess, what's in the streamline for the next six to 12 months for both of you and the foundation itself? I suppose just um, getting our names out there and growing our sisterhood um, with the broader community and and garnering an audience that really cares and believes in what we're doing. And um, I just think once you get the ball rolling and and the more that happens, the easier it'll get and it'll just keep going and we are passionate about it and there's just sort of no stopping what we're going to do now. So I feel like it'll just sort of flow easily from here on in. I think the main thing with the foundation, Adam, is locking in some big sponsors, um, you know, for that support that we can sort of lock in a certain amount for five years, for example, um, and then that will help us then, you know, to move forward with events. I think we'd like to do some sort of like fun run and walk through the National Park in Noosa. Um, there's lots of really great events up there. It's outdoors, which means it's COVID safe. <laughs> um, and and doing a few things like that. But I think the main thing Elle, right now is to lock in some sponsors. Yeah, partners, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So that's the main thing. Apart from training three times a week with you, Adam, and, you know, being on my A game and staying <laughs> fit and well. Um, personal goals is to um, we're moving to the US for a few months. Our youngest son is on the ROM team for the Paris Olympics for skateboarding. So we are going to go and honor that space and live in California, um, get some training with him while my husband works on a new business um, that he's bought into in the US, which again is on that extreme sports platform. So it's still all about health, you know, every part of our life. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, girls, thank you again so much for your time um, and I guess your passion and your energy around what you do. Um, as I said, everything that people need to know, and I'll get you to send me some links that um, I can share onto the show notes that uh, you want me to put up that are specific to take to particular pages or particular um, places that people can get information on. Um, but yeah, anything that people need to know, they can jump into the show notes. But, um, but yeah, I really appreciate your time and sharing your journeys and being open and uh, I guess vulnerable to, you know, what you've been through and kind of, I guess, if it helps, I know, and it's a cliche thing, but if it does help one person, then, you know, all the better for this particular podcast, whether one person listens to this show or a thousand people do. Um, yeah, I appreciate your time for that. Thanks, Adam, for sharing your audience with us too. Yeah. Not at all. Um, I always have my guests, though, answer my quick fire five. So do you mind me uh, asking you my quick fire five and uh, finishing off our podcast with those uh, answers that you have? You go first, Del. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do question one and you both go answer, answer, okay? 
Right. Um, so first thing that comes to mind, super easy uh, questions, uh, beach or snow? Beach, snow. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like, it's probably going to be different. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could travel one way in time, which way would you go, future or past? Past. Past. Um, I always like following up that with if people do go to past, uh, where would you go to and what would you see? Is there a point in time? 1970s discos. <laughs> um, oh, straight off the top of my head, it would be having a cup of tea with our late mother. Good answer. Oh, no, I look like her. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that's just me. <laughs> Sorry, okay, maybe my mum will be at the disco. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, you do not have to worry about nutritional value, calories or anything like that. You oh. are only allowed to eat one thing for the rest of your life. What is that one thing you eat? Don't say broccoli. <laughs> chocolate, hedgehog, chocolate hedgehog. What? This same thing every day, hedgehog? Sure. He said there's no nutritional value. It was okay. <laughs> That's a hedgehog lady. I would say sort of maybe, can I say Japanese food? I'll go, with a, I'll go with a genre of food. I'll take that. Um, family, friend, famous, dead or alive, who would you like to have dinner with tonight? Pink, rock star. I love her. <laughs> She's fast and furious and unapologetic. Love it. Well, I just said our mum and I actually did mean that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. As soon as I was reading that, I was like, okay, this is the answer that's going to come from there. There you go. <laughs> um, I want you to get super selfish on this last one. Everyone always says they spend it with their family, but you've done that. You've said your goodbyes. You have 24 hours left on this planet. You can do anything with that 24 hours. What do you do? Oh, wow. Oh, I'd have to maybe go surfing. <laughs> Oh, my God, I would go partying all night and watch the sunrise. Oh, yeah, I'd do that too. That, you know, beach <laughs> sunrise, that, that magical morning I want to see. Where's the sunrise then? I'll, I'll, I'll ask both of you since you both said beachy, snow, uh, beachy kind of event. Where's the sunrise? Yeah, it's probably in the beach. Where? What beach though? What sunrise oh. would you like to see? I'm pretty happy in Noosa, I think. I, this is my happy spot and I always say, I know it's really dark, but if I ever had to have my ashes spread anywhere, I just I just want to be on the beach and out in the ocean here. And actually our mum's ashes got um, spread in Maroochydore. Yep. And um, I, this is just my happy place here now. Since we've moved up, I just want to be in Noosa on the beach and sunset's always my thing, but sunrise is beautiful. And often surfing in the morning when the sun's coming up and there's dolphins in the water and fish jumping and birds sweeping it's pretty special i'd have to sort of say that if it was a big like half moon full moon party in little cove i'd i'd be happy there with you Elle, if it was my last sunrise yeah, yeah. we'd yeah. have to do it together oh 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. gotta keep on brand two sisters to the oh, end yeah i mean yeah ways <laughs> of glory mm. Um, girls, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your answers. Um, and again, thank you for sharing your uh, stories today. And um, yeah, I wish you all the very best. Um, I'm sure I'll be kept abreast of it uh, with chatting to Lisa and yourself anyway, Ali. And again, I wish you all the best. And um, if there's anything else I can help share with or uh, help you with uh, on that, do let me know because I'd be more than happy to. Thanks, Thanks Adam. And thank you for doing what you do because we love and appreciate it as well. More than happy to.
Um, guys, that's been another episode of the Lex Thought Fast podcast. I'll see you next week. Take care. Love you all. Bye.